0: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. Good morning. So much to talk about today. John Kerry tips off the Iranians. That's so so much fun. The German bishops are now uh, paving the way for Protestants to receive the Holy Eucharist in spite of what the church has taught or early church fathers. Forget about all of that. Uh, Good news. The European Commission says that now visitors from the United States will have to have vaccine passports to come to Europe. And then, of course, there are 12 Catholic clerics arrested among some lay folks in South Sudan for an attempted uh, robbery, murder of, of a bishop kind of crazy. So many stories to jump into today, but we ha- our guests are really incredible as well this hour. Uh, Austin Ruse from CFAM is going to be on the program. He's got a brand new book out called Under Siege, No Finer Time to Be a Faithful Catholic. That ought to be a fun conversation coming up later in this hour. And then Eric Sammons, the editor of Crisis, is going to be on. He's got an article uh, out on uh, a sort of a similar vein about America being a pagan nation. You know, for the first time ever, we are under churchgoers now. Um, And if you look at the chart on this article, in the year 2000 is when things start to go downwards, and we've been heading down ever since. It's just getting worse and worse. We're going to get the lowdown on that story with Eric Sammons in this hour as well. So jam-packed hour for Catholic Drive Time, not to mention the next hour, if you're at all able to join us, we surely would love to have you. Our Fear and tribling Game Show is going to be a lot of fun, and prizes are involved. So it's a full deck today on Catholic Drive Time. Speaking of which, uh, good morning to you, Emily Alcaraz.
1: Good morning. You know, it is, it is definitely a very difficult time to be a Catholic with our culture the way it is right now, but... I try to remember that, you know, Paul said, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So instead of saying it's a time of great sin, it's a time actually of great grace. And so thank you, God, for letting us be alive today.
0: Well, we have to have at least one optimist on the team, according to the rules. So For uh, now. For now. Congratulations, Emily. <laughs> you've, you've checked out. What will we do when you leave? You know, you're down under, you're just a few weeks out, and we're going to be left with nothing but pessimists. That ought to be fun. <laughs> I'm only teasing. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Adrian Fonseca is here on The Ones and Twos. Good
2: morning to you, Adrian. Well, I, I consider myself, you know, an Irish optimist. See, an Irish pessimist <laughs> okay. says, mm-hmm. uh, you know, going. things can't get much worse. An yeah. Irish optimist says, well, of course they can.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Fun days ahead. Fun days ahead. Well, praise be to God. Uh, there is a lot to jump into, as we said. Uh, breaking news and stories, saint to the day, gospel of the day. Eric Sammons will be on during the What's Concerning Us section. And then Austin Ruse from CFAM is going to be on in our guest segment, Jam Packed Hour. Let's begin with praying for your intentions, dear listener. Whatever's on your heart, you know whatever your needs are. And if you're hanging out on a social stream like the Facebook or YouTube thing, feel free to comment. Let us know what you're your intentions are. We're certainly including them. But if you're listening on the radio at the Station of the Cross, good morning to you. uh, Praise be to God. Or the Guadalupe Radio Network, good morning to you as well. Your guardian angel surely knows, and the Lord knows your intentions as well. So let's ask Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, to intercede for all of us today by whispering these intentions into the ear of her divine child, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.
1: On Friday, Alabama Governor Kay Ivey signed a bill prohibiting competitions between athletes of a different biological gender in public school sports. The bill mandates that no public K-12 school may participate in, sponsor, or provide coaching staff for interscholastic athletic events at which athletes are allowed to participate in competition against other athletes who are of a different biological gender, unless the event specifically includes both biological genders. Because of the physical differences between biological males and biological females, having separate athletic teams based on the athlete's biological sex reduces the chance of injury to biological female athletes and promotes sexual equality. The bill also adds, it provides opportunities for biological female athletes to compete against their peers rather than against biological male athletes and allows female athletes to compete on a fair playing field for scholarships and other athletic accomplishments. Alabama now joins Mississippi, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Idaho in banning males from participating in girls' athletics this year. Democrats are pressuring the Federal Communications Commission to reject the sale of a progressive Spanish-language Miami radio station to a buyer who would begin serving the Hispanic community with more conservative content. The move comes on the heels of a Newsweek report that detailed how America CV immediately fired the station's top-rated host, Raul Martinez, who is a Democrat. The swift termination was viewed as a political decision and led Florida Democrats to sound the alarm of a conservative media takeover on the Spanish-language airwaves. FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr called the attempt to pressure the FCC a violation of freedom of speech guaranteed by the First Amendment, saying, quote, The FCC has no business doing the Democrats' bidding or using our regulatory process to censor political opinions that Democrats do not like. Three South Sudanese Catholic clerics are among 12 people arrested following the shooting of the bishop-elect of Rumbek Diocese in the early hours of Monday. CNA's African news par- partner reported that Bishop-elect Christian Are, appointed by Pope Francis to lead the Rumbek Diocese on March 8th, was shot in both legs when two armed men fired multiple bullets at his door. Among those arrested after the shooting are members of the clergy and other prominent lay personalities in the Diocese of Rumbek. The source disclosed, adding that 12 people were linked to the physical evidence of the cell phone found where the Bishop-elect was shot. Carlos Sare's Episcopal ordination was scheduled to take place on Pentecost Sunday, May 23rd. The Italian-born bo- Camboni missionary had served in South Sudan's Malakal Diocese since he arrived in that country in 2005. As he left Rumbek for further treatment in Kenya, the bishop-elect appealed for prayers and asked for forgiveness for the perpetrators. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens.
0: Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Blessed Hosanna of Catarillo, uh, pray for us. Blessed Hosanna was born on the 25th of November, 1493 in Montenegro, as Catherine Cosi. Um Blessed Hosanna was born to a Greek Orthodox family and baptized in that tradition. She was a shepherdess in her youth, spending her solitary hours in prayer and began to have visions of the Christ uh, as a little child and when she was 12 years old the visions were followed by an odd desire to travel to the town of Catarau. how do I say that? Catarao thank you, Catarao, Damantia near uh, Montenegro she felt she could pray better there and her mother arranged a position for Catherine as a servant to a wealthy Catholic family who allowed the girl as much time as she wished to pray in local churches and as a Matter of fact, she became Catholic as a result of that. In her late teens, however, she felt a call to live the hard spiritual life of an anchoress. Though she was very young, for such a calling, her spiritual director had walled up a cell built near St. Bartholomew's Church in Kataro. And she later moved to a cell at St. Paul's Church and became a Dominican tertiary, taking the, na- taking the name of Ozana in memory of Blessed Ozana of Mantua. She would follow the Dominican rule for the next 52 years, and a group of Dominican sisters took up residence near her, consulted her for guidance, sought her prayers, and considered her their leader. There were so many that a, that a Dominican convent was founded for them. In her tiny cell, she received many visitors, including Christ, as a baby, Our Lady, several saints, and even demons who opposed her prayer life. One time, Satan appeared to her under the guise of Our Lady, pretending to be Mary. She knew that it was the devil, though, when the vision tried to convince her to leave her religious life. When the city was attacked by the Turks, the townspeople credited their deliverance to her prayers. Tradition also says that her prayers saved the city from the plague as well. Blessed Ozana would die on the 27th of April, 1565, and uh, her remains were interred at St. Mary's there in Montenegro until 1807 when the French army decided to turn the church into a warehouse. Pretty sad. Uh, Blessed Hosanna was beatified in 1934 by Pope Pius XI. Blessed Hosanna, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. The feast of the dedication was taking place in Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus walked about in the temple area on the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered, gathered around him and said to him, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify to me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can take them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one can take them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, this is a really good passage, too. It's short and sweet, but it's really, really good. I mean, look at the details here look at the, the details of of the location, of the time. This is one of the key, uh, key clues to really understanding. You know, there's a large uh, a group of uh, modern biblical scholars who would reject that the Gospels were written by the namesake, right? They were written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are a lot of people in the church today who might even say, well, the, the miracles, they were just, you know, metaphors, they're symbology, they're you know, they, were, they didn't really happen, you know, the breaking of the, the multiplication of the loaves and fishes, for instance, those types of things, this modern, uh, critical uh, nature of looking at Scripture. And yet, when I went through the New Testament and Old Testament uh, surveys with Dr. John Bergsma from Steubenville, um, this was one of the key points he would make about John's gospel repeatedly over and over and over again. John provides incredible detail. And this is one of them. I mean, look at this. He knows about the temple. He knows very clearly about the details, the structure, the layout, the portico of Solomon. Well, why wouldn't he? Of course he would. I mean, well, wouldn't even people in 250 AD, 300 AD, 450 AD, wouldn't they know about it too? No, because in 70 AD, it was destroyed. It was totally wiped out. And it was a pile of rubble. So... If this was written sometime later, it would have been a lot harder to include such details like Solomon's portico, for instance, or the fact that it was in winter. This insinuates that whoever wrote this document had firsthand knowledge, first century knowledge of the temple itself and the timing of things, let alone the oldest uh, manuscripts we have actually have their names on them. So there you go. Um, Praise be to God for that. But I love the fact that when Jesus confronts them, he makes this clear distinction about who is his and who isn't. That would be painful to hear, wouldn't it? If you were looking Jesus in the eye and you were being cold-hearted, like, you're going to tell us right now if you're the Christ. And Augustine would say, the Jews were cold in love, burning in their malevolence, approached him not to honor, but to persecute. I mean, think about the intention of them. And then to be looking Christ in the eyes, and he says, you know, you're not of my flock. <laughs> you're not one of the ones God the Father has given me. And that's essentially what he's saying here. And that would be like pretty hard to deal with, wouldn't it? That would be hard to, a hard pill to swallow. And yet he's saying that. Think about the intimacy. Again, we, saw, we talked about this yesterday. The intimacy between us and the Lord when we hear his voice. And what that means to us. Let's not be cold in our heart. Let's not demand that he prove himself to us. Let's check our own intentions. Let's rise up to him instead of forcing him to lower himself down to us. Amen? Praise be to God. On the other side of this break, Eric Sammons will be our guest. Is the, is the country pagan now? We're going to ask that question on the other side of this
3: break. We'll be right back.
0: To Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Have I told you about Glory and Shine, gracious sponsor of Catholic Drive Time? They make uh, personal care products like uh, lotions and body mist, soap bars, uh, beard uh, beard bombs, which I am enjoying at the moment. So praise be to God for that. They're very gracious to us to underwrite a portion of our program and you you can see them online if you wish. It's uh, gloryandshine.com. We've posted their logo and link on our website as well, but uh, just a beautiful Catholic family-owned company, and the product is so wonderful. So I highly encourage you to check that out. Uh, But joining us right now uh, via uh, telephone, I guess, is Eric Sammons. He's the editor of Crisis Magazine, and he's got an article over there called America is a Pagan Nation. Now what? You know, and uh, sort of the theme for today's show is the optimist optimist versus the pessimist. Uh, We're going to be talking with Austin Ruse in a little bit, uh, and he's more of the optimist nature, and I'm more of the pessimist nature. So I wonder where Eric Sammons fits on the scale. And he joins us now. Good morning to you, Eric.
4: Good morning. How are you doing, Joe? Praise be to God, I am alive. And that counts. Yeah. Well, I, think my, I know my kids call me a pessimist, but I try not to be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess that counts, too. Amen. Praise I mean, be to God. I mean, teenagers
4: are eternal optimists. So, you know, for teenagers, everybody's a pessimist. who's older than, like, 25. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, well, uh, it, this uh, article is interesting because... It it continues to paint a very bad picture, does it not? I mean, I have I have for years now referenced the CARA statistics that are maintained on Georgetown University's website, and right. they go back 50 years, and there's no positives in those statistics. They're all incredibly well, they're negative, and uh, these are the same stats that the USCCB references um, – and on every level, they're like just negative, negative, negative. Everything is down. Everything is bad. Everything is, you know. And then, then you put up this article, and I'm like, oh boy, facepalm, right? Like, but here's what was interesting to me. So essentially, the article is looking at uh, the stats that came out. Uh, what was it a month ago? Now maybe the Gallup poll. Yeah, about a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And basically, what did it tell us? What What is this? What is this chart trying to say to us?
4: I think as Catholics, what. It really, the, the, the big takeaway is that the problems we've had in the Catholic Church of people leaving by, in droves, especially since the year 2000, extends beyond the Catholic Church and into all religions in America. That essentially, it's it's startling, actually, that starting in the year 2000, people just stopped being identified with, with church membership, uh, and that includes synagogues and, and uh, mosques as well. That essentially... America became radically less religious uh, starting in the year 2000. I mean, because the, the the studies Gallup did started in the 1930s, and for 70 years, essentially the number of people, Americans who said they're a member of a church, synagogue, or mosque was around 70%, 70%, 75%. I mean, it's very consistent. It was amazingly consistent. And then starting in the year 2000, that number starts to drop very quickly and the, the the big news was for the first time ever it dropped below fifty percent this year. It was forty seven percent. So more people say they're not a member of a church than say they are a member of a church in America. And if you if you know America's history, you know how religious we are. I mean, especially in comparison, for example, to modern Europe, we're a very religious nation. I mean, I'm mostly Protestant, but we're we're just very religious. And now we we just aren't. In in this in this century we stopped being religious. And so I think that. To give us all pause, us religious people, I should say, uh, what's going wrong? Why, why Why is everybody heading for the door? Not just in the Catholic Church, but also in, in Protestant uh, denominations and uh, synagogues and mosques as well. Mm. Eric, uh, I know you're coming out with a book in about
2: a month. We'll have to have you back on and talk about that. And the the title of the book kind of triggers something in my mind. Obviously, I haven't read it yet, but it's uh, something seems to be uh, something that I've been talking about a lot to my theology professor when I was at the University of St. Thomas, and that's if we kind of fall into this religious indifferentism where we kind of say, well, you know, it's possible to be saved outside of the church. It's possible, theoretically, uh, that under very certain circumstances, someone might be able to have invincible ignorance, then uh, they will be saved anyways. I feel like that has been a huge effect, has had a huge effect on our evangelization and on so many people leaving the church and then not trying to bring them back. Uh, could you speak on that?
4: Yeah, it, exactly. I mean, that that's the purpose of my upcoming book, Deadly Indifference, is the idea of that we become religiously indifferent, meaning we don't really think it matters. I mean, down deep, we don't think it matters whether or not you're religious, but especially what religion you are. And I saw this time and time again when I was working in a dio- on the diocesan level, parish level, that most Catholics just simply don't think it matters for eternal salvation, or even for day-to-day life, whether or not you're Catholic or Protestant or Muslim or Jewish or atheist, it just doesn't, as long as you're a good person, that's all that really matters. And if that's the case, why would people stay? I mean, it, it, it's kind of like uh, if your marketing is, well, it doesn't really matter if you if you buy our product, then who's going to buy the product, right? Mm. <laughs> and, and so when that's basically what the Catholic Church is saying, and, and and other denominations and and, and Protestant denominations as well are saying that it doesn't really matter if you belong to us. Well, then most people are going to say, well, I'm not going to belong to you then. And so I think that's a, that's a big takeaway I think we should have, which is we should tell them why does it matter? I mean, we, first of all, we need to know personally, why does it matter to be Catholic? Why, I mean, why does it matter both here on earth, but after we die? And, once we know that, we need to tell others why it matters so that they are at least realize that there is a distinct difference between being Catholic and not being Catholic. Now, they may reject our message, that happens, that happened to Jesus himself, but ultimately, they at least should know there is a real difference between being Catholic and not being Catholic.
1: And just to play devil's advocate, because this is the response I've heard to that, people say that well, even if it's a, not a matter of salvation, we should try to uh, evangelize out of love, to to give people, bring people to the fullness of truth. But Eric Sammons, could you explain why that just doesn't have the same sort of urgency?
4: Well, uh, first I would say, according to traditional Catholic teaching, it does matter for salvation. But I know what you're I know what you're saying, and and, and the truth is that I mean, there's so many different ways that it matters. Because if we really believe what Jesus Christ taught us and what the Catholic Church has taught for 2,000 years, we know that there's a fundamentally different, there's a fundamental difference between being Catholic and not being Catholic. The number one difference is the sacraments. Only in the Catholic Church do we receive the sacraments, can we receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. And that has a fundamental difference in our life. And so, if we try to act like it it doesn't really matter, that we're all just getting to heaven anyway, first of all, it goes against Catholic teaching. I mean, the Church has always traditionally saw these extraordinary means of salvation, meaning people who are outside the visible confines of the Church being saved, as truly extraordinary, extraordinary. In other words, it's up to God if He wants to do that. But for us, we need to look at it like, no, the, the ordinary means of salvation is the Catholic Church. And so we need to urge others to become Catholic and and to let them know it really does matter and that you really do put your salvation in jeopardy if you're not a member of the Catholic Church.
0: Eric Sammons is our guest. He's got this article on Crisis. He is the editor of Crisis, by the way, but uh, the article is called America is a Pagan Nation, now What? And we're, we're going to link to it on our social feed so you can read it for yourself, or you can just go to crisismagazine.com. You'll find it there. Um, I want to ask you about some of the, date, the dates... On this chart that's in your article that I find interesting, of course, we mentioned earlier, you know, it starts in, I think it was it 1930, 1930, someplace in the 1930s. It begins to chart and it's generally averaging somewhere around 70, 71 percent or so uh, all the way up until you get to nineteen. Um, 19- around 1990 just before 1990 late 80s early 90s it drops down below 70 but then right just before 2000 it ticks up again to 70%. I wonder do you think that might be because of Y2K?
4: <laughs> you know I never thought of that. It is possible. I mean I think the numbers were still generally close enough that I think we probably could give it just margin of error. Got it. in the, in the 1990s that you know we're still at 68 69% and I'm willing to just round that to the nearest, you know, 10s and say that's around 70%. It's really after 2000 that all of a sudden we just see it, it start to plummet.
0: Well, the reason why I bring that up is because you you remember 9-11 um, and how yeah. right after 9-11, you know, churches were packed. People were praying. Absolutely. That's mm-hmm. very typical around disasters, uh, tragedies, things like that. People tend to go back to God, which is you know unfortunately that it takes that for us to return to god but uh, i wondered if that was part of the trends here if we're in looking at the data but let's let's bring up what you just said why at 2000 do we see this significant downturn that leads us to now which is down below 50% for the first time since we 've been keeping the data, what do you attribute as the main cause to this major downfall since the year two thousand? What was it in two thousand that might have shifted things
4: i 'm not i don 't think we can say there 's one main cause I think there 's a number of them and you know if you go to the article you obviously re, uh, listeners can can read a number of my thoughts of what would be I've come to believe that I think maybe one of the, the primary things is the rise of the Internet as a social community. Obviously, in the 1990s is when the Internet really took off as, as a public thing for, for the average person to get on. Uh, I was very involved in an in Internet startup at the time, so I, I know a lot about that time frame. But I really feel like it was in the 2000s that we start seeing the rise of uh, of of youtube of facebook and then later twitter and and uh, before this even myspace things like that but it started to create communities where people were able to at least they felt they were able to uh fulfill their community needs on the internet they didn't and and the the local church has has historically been a way in which people uh join together had that community, which every person needs. We're all social beings, so we need that community. And now, all of a sudden, you could just sit in your basement on the computer, and you could really get in-depth with people who had the same interest as you, the most obscure interest you could have. You could find a community that you could really tap into. There's no need to get off your, off your seat and go, go to church on Sunday and get that. Now, we know that church, that's not the, the only thing about church is community, but it is an important part of going to church community. So I, I feel like the rise of the internet really uh, as a social uh, community aspect of it uh, during that time, I think has really been a major cause of people no longer saying, I'm a member of this church, but instead, I'm a member of this Reddit community. I'm a member <laughs> of this Facebook group or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Well,
0: we are, we're almost out of time with you, Eric, but I wondered uh, now that we've had streaming masses for, for the better part of a year, Will people come back, or do they feel even more entrenched in those digital communities than ever before?
4: Yeah, and I, I think it's a real challenge for the church. And as I mentioned in my article, I think the church needs to zag when everybody else is digging, which means I think we need to really do what nobody else is doing and, and show people we have something nobody else has, which is the sacrament. And so I, I'm, I'm not a fan of the, the, the streaming masses. I understand the necessity for them at it for a time. But I think we really need to emphasize, you need to be at church and receive physically the sacrament because you will literally get that nowhere else in the world.
0: Amen. Praise be to God. Eric Sammons, editor of Crisis Magazine, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful to you.
4: Thanks for having me.
0: All right. God bless you. God love you. Uh, All right. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. We're going to have breaking news and stories with Emily Alvarez, and then Austin Ruse from CFAM is going to be on. Don't go anywhere. Be right back.
3: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, religion can never depend on minute disputes about doctrine? G.K. Chesterton says that's like saying that life can never depend on minute disputes about medicine. Will the man who says we don't want theologians splitting hairs also say, we don't want surgeons splitting filaments more delicate than hairs? Many a man would be dead today if his doctors had not debated fine shades about doctoring. It's also a fact that Western civilization would be dead today if its doctors of divinity had not debated fine shades about doctrine. We depend on doctors of medicine. We can also depend on the doctors of the church. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org.
1: Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today's Tuesday, April 27th, and these are your headlines for today. Archbishop John C. Wester of the Archdiocese of Santa Fe is ordering Catholic churches to continue to restrict capacity according to county-level recommendations even after New Mexico's governor allowed churches to fully reopen. The archbishop has requested that pastors continue to follow the color-coding system and not allow 100% attendance. New Mexico Governor Michelle Lujan grissom issued a modified public health order on Friday allowing places of worship to open at 100% capacity, even as more restricted capacity limits continue to be enforced in places like restaurants and theaters. The more lenient order is a response to recent U.S. Supreme Court rulings that say capacity limits on churches cannot be more restrictive than on other entities such as factories and schools. Archbishop Wester has a history of curbing religious practice in the name of public health. Last year, the archbishop was criticized for suspending indoor public mass and regular confession as he kept Santa Fe's cathedral gift shop open, as well as for threatening priests whose homilies ran longer than five minutes with suspension. Oklahoma's Republican governor, Kevin Stitt, signed into law Monday three new measures protecting the lives of the unborn from effectively all abortions, though at least two of the laws are likely to be put on hold by the courts before taking effect. The first law makes it a homicide to abort any baby with a detectable heartbeat. The second law makes it unprofessional conduct to abort a baby for any reason other than to save a mother's life, regardless of whether a heartbeat can be detected. And the third law forbids anyone other than board-certified OB-GYNs from performing abortions. The third law is meant to prevent situations such as that of the infamous Philadelphia abortionist and convicted killer, Kermit Gosnell, who delegated parts of the abortion process to non-physician employees. Oklahoma now joins 12 other states in enacting laws to limit abortions as early as a fetal heartbeat can be detected. And Father Lavinius Asamchi Namani, who was ordained to the priesthood in his hospital room on Holy Thursday, with special permission from Pope Francis, has died of leukemia at the age of 31. The young priest's funeral was held in Rome on April 26th at the parish of San Giovanni Leonardi. He had dedicated the last 23 days of his life to offering Mass from his hospital bed, a priest who knew him recalled... Father Lavinius had been studying at the Pontifical University of St. Thomas Aquinas, also known as the Angelicum, as a seminarian from Nigeria for the past two years, while receiving medical care in Italy for his cancer. After his condition took a turn for the worse, he wrote to Pope Francis asking to move forward his ordination date. Father Lavinius had first entered religious life with the Order of the Mother of God in Nigeria ten years ago, and had made his final vows in September. The Pope's reply came on March 31st that the seminarian could be ordained the following day, Holy Thursday, according to Vatican News. Bishop Daniel Livinori, an Auxiliary Bishop of Rome, ordained Father Lavinius on April 1st at the Medica Group Casalino Hospital. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens.
0: Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date. I want to thank also everybody who's hanging out with us on a live video stream this morning, uh, sharing our videos. I've seen about 18 shares on Facebook already. So praise be to God for that. And if you're sharing on YouTube, uh, I can't see how many people are doing that, but uh, thank you for doing it anyway. It really helps us to overcome all of big tech overlords, uh, you know, uh, fun shenanigans that they like to play on us with the algorithm. But at any rate, thank you for being a part of the show and sharing. And if you're listening on uh, Catholic Radio today, please do us a favor and share us with a friend. That'd be fun. Uh, joining us right now via Zoom chat is the president of CFAM, and his name is Austin Ruse. Uh, that's the Center for Family and Human Rights. They they do a lot of work at the UN to help uh, prevent abortion from being furthered and, uh, you know, uh, the LGBTQ agenda, you know, the attack on the families, all of that. So praise be to God. But he also has a book out Called "Under Siege," no finer time to be a faithful Catholic. Published by Sophia Institute Press. Uh, it seems like the eternal optimist here. Good morning to you, Austin Ruse. Thank you for being a part of our show.
3: I'm happy to be with you. Thanks for
0: having me. Praise be to God. Just a fair warning: you're totally surrounded by pessimists. Um, ah, good. All right. Well, actually, no. I'm the only <laughs> pessimist on the team. But uh, at any rate, uh, we 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 uh, caught some interviews you did about your book. We're very excited about your book. Um, and let's start with your work, though, at CFAM. Let's start there, because I think that's a great foundation for, for talking about the opportunity that you seem to be suggesting we have as Catholics today. Uh, what do you do at CFAM, and why do you do it?
3: Uh, our primary work at CFAM is to uh, assist UN delegations in negotiating documents, um, either hard law or soft law uh, documents. To uh, Our goal is to prevent an international right to abortion through UN documents, to prevent the family from being uh, redefined through U.S. documents, uh, to prevent sexual orientation and gender identity from becoming a new category of non-discrimination in uh, international law.
5: Austin,
0: if you're uh, if you're still there, it looks like you uh, we had a connection issue there uh, with you, uh,
5: Austin.
3: And we've been actually quite successful.
0: Austin, I'm going to ask if you could call our number, maybe call in on the phone line. We're having some connection issues with you, so we're only catching every other word. Uh, But uh, hopefully either your connection will clear uh, up or we get you on the phone.
3: All right. Uh, Let me see. Are you guys putting up a phone number?
0: All right. So we're going to give you that phone number so you can call in so we can get you on a a good, clear connection here. The book is called Under Siege, and it's uh, no finer time to become... Uh, To Be a Faithful Catholic, it's uh, published by Sophia Institute Press. And uh, I find it fascinating because we were just talking with Eric Sammons a minute ago about uh, the country being basically going pagan. Pagan over the last um, twenty years now since two thousand, it's n- been notoriously headed in the wrong direction for for the first time ever under fifty percent uh, churchgoers or church attendance. And so his, I think Austin Roos's book is timely about that. But we have you on the line, Austin. Yes, I am here. Praise be to God. Okay, now we got a bit much clearer connection. You were saying.
3: Uh, we, CFAM has been working since the summer of 1997 to stop uh, an international right to abortion at the UN, to stop uh, the family from being redefined in UN documents, to stop uh, sexual orientation and gender identity from becoming a new category of non-discrimination in international law. And we've been quite successful in that, uh, basically being able to find uh, the, the, the requisite number of UN delegations who will stand with us and against the sexual radicalism of, of the elites that run the U.N. Uh, so that's our primary work, A, and, and B, is is telling folks like you what really goes on at the U.N. So that, that, in a nutshell, is what we do. I think
0: most of us knuckle-draggers probably just think that everybody at the U.N. is absolutely out of their mind with a, with a one-world government type of agenda. Is What is the truth in there?
3: Well there's certainly plenty of that you know among the elites among the people who run the UN um, among those uh, in the you know who run the big agencies UNICEF UN Women WHO UNFPA you know the alphabet soup of wickedness um uh, they certainly are, are looking for something like that they call it global governance uh which is which is very much the same thing but there are one one of the hot debates that happens in almost every U.N. debate is over national sovereignty. Um, So there's national sovereignty language in in almost every U.N. document. And and, uh, certain countries in Africa, the Middle East, Latin America, Caribbean, uh, fight like the Dickens to maintain uh, national sovereignty language because they ultimately want to decide these things by themselves. That is to say, separate from global governance, separate from one world government. So what do they think about you?
0: You and your team, obviously, you're not alone. You have a team of uh, of fighters doing all of this yep. work. Uh, what what is when they what do they think about you? What is their thoughts when they when they encounter the team from CFAM?
3: Well, our friends love us and our enemies hate us. <laughs> um, you know, when when my guys walk in the door, um, you can feel, you know, the air go right out. Oh, it's those guys from CFAM.
6: <laughs> oh.
3: <laughs> we, we hate those guys. Uh, but then our friends are quite happy to see us and, and we have very close relationships with a few dozen delegations. It's a shifting uh, number and, uh, and uh, shifting players over the years. But uh, we... See, we have... An, an enormous amount of institutional knowledge. We, you know, everybody on my team has been with us for at least ten years. Wow! Um, uh, so there's a remarkable amount of institutional knowledge. So when a piece of language comes up, we could say, you know, that was proposed back in 1998, and it was rejected by the entire negotiating body. We might not want to use that again. And that's the kind of ammunition that is required to 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 take language out of documents, just to remind that, you know, this is not agreed upon language, this has consistently been rejected, and new people don't necessarily know that. So we provide institutional knowledge. Uh,
0: you, you probably have to work with nefarious characters from all over the planet, uh, people who don't share our ideals as Catholics. What is that like in your work?
3: Early on, when uh, when I first uh, started doing this back in the 90s, um, uh, a Filipino diplomat uh, who's now a, quite a big deal, he was just a regular staffer, then he's now a P- Filipino diplomat, Philippine ambassador to uh, New Zealand, um, Jesus Domingo, he said, you want to uh, come and meet the uh, Iranians? And I'm going, can I meet the Iranians? <laughs> can I? And he says, you know, uh, the UN is a Rubik's Cube, um, and... and Where countries stand on various issues shifts, and and they they may be hostile to the United States, but quite honestly, we're not at the UN as an organization to represent the United States. We're there to represent the unborn child and family, Mm. and so we have made common cause on life and family issues with the Iranians, who have been quite good. All right, hold that thought.
0: Austin Ruse is our guest. Uh, He is the president of CFAM, but he's got a book out called Under Siege, No Finer Time to Be a Faithful Catholic. We're going to talk about that on the other side of this break. So don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time is going to be right back.
6: We all have someone who drives us crazy.
5: One-Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey.
6: St. Benedict can be pretty strict with monks who cause trouble, and in his rule, he even provides that someone can be shut out from the community's meals and prayers. At the same time, however, he directs the abbot to exercise the utmost care and concern for the wayward brothers. He reminds the abbot that he has undertaken care of the sick, not tyranny over the healthy. We always have to ask ourselves whether people are troublesome because they are hindering the work or the mission, or whether we simply find them irritating.
5: For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com, O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com.
6: Jesus commands us to love everyone, even our enemies. All the more, then, do we need to deal with troublesome people in a way that might make them better, rather than just shunt them aside, or even worse, destroy them.
1: Hi, I'm Emily Alcaraz, and I'm the co host of the Catholic Drive Time Show, which airs from Monday to Friday at 6 a.m. Central Time. I'm excited to announce our partnership with our new underwriter, Real Estate for Life. Real Estate for Life offers a faith based experience while supporting the gospel of life. They work with over a thousand pro life agents worldwide and generously support a variety of pro life organizations. Their website is realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org.
0: Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Austin Ruse is our guest. He is the president of CFAM. His book is called Under Siege, No Finer Time to Be a Faithful Catholic, published by Sophia Institute Press. Uh, Austin, welcome back to the show. Uh, We were just having a hot and contested debate off of air, whether or not you're a true optimist or just an Irish optimist. We weren't 100% sure. (laughs) uh
3: because i don't even know what that is
2: (laughs) well uh adrian adrian has a joke yes (laughs) he'll tell you (laughs) i always uh, i was told in uh high school by a professor a teacher i had uh an irish pessimist always will tell you things can't get much worse and an irish optimist will say oh yes they can (laughs) so (laughs) well because we were trying to wrap
0: our head around your book and uh You know, we, as I said earlier, we were talking to Eric Sammons about even just the, the stats on churchgoers, which includes yeah. synagogues and mosques, too, by the way, in those stats. And we're, as a country, under 50% for the first time. Um, yeah. And yet we see scandal after scandal in the church. We see crazy scandals going on in society itself at large. Um, where we seem to be embracing abortion politics, LGBTQ agendas, and so much more, as a body of faithful, and yet you have this book uh, that comes out that says it's no finer time to be a uh, to be a Catholic. Is, is this? I mean, are you just love the fight, or, or what's going on here, Austin? Tell us about this.
3: Uh, the enemy has us surrounded, and we and the bastards are just where we want them. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, you beat
0: me to it. Well, can, praise be to God. All right, can so, I say
3: that on Catholic? Yeah.
0: Religion? Well, it's too late now. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have. We need to get that dump button installed. Uh, all right. So, uh, all right. So, what is your motivation here? What are you trying to tell us?
3: Well, you know, uh, this is. These are among the most desperate times the church and society has ever faced. And, 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 and our, the good Lord knew that these times were coming. And who did he send? He sent the likes of us. <laughs> How absurd is that? Yes, you know, very. I, I like to, I like to say that the, uh, the, the apostles weren't exactly the VAT. You know, they didn't go to the Harvard of their time and they didn't work it to the Google of their time and, and neither do we. And look what they did. Uh, he knows what he's about. He sent us. Um, and my, my view is that we must be, um, well, we are remarkably blessed that he sent us at this desperate time to fight his fight uh, for creation. The early church um, were, were, was privileged to uh, to fight about what is uh, who was Jesus Christ. The later church was privileged to have this huge debate about what is the church and what are we fighting about these days? We are fighting about what, what is the human person. That is remarkable that lame people like us get to participate in this particular debate. And and with regard to the contraction of the church, you know, I wrote a column uh, now a couple of years ago. There's a writer at Pathios named Melinda Selmas who identifies herself as queer, and, um, and she left the church. Uh, Damon Linker, who was writing at the time for uh, the, the Week, uh, also formally left the church, and on their way out said, well, you know, we never really believed in a lot of what the church taught. I say... They ha- they are honest apostates, and it's a good thing that they're leaving. And I and I think that that's the case with a lot of people. You know, we don't necessarily want a lot of people who are merely questioning to leave, but those who disagree with the teachings of the church yet stay are a kind of poison that is drip drip dripping into the ear of the church. So on the other hand, I see um, uh, Orthodox religious orders bursting at the seams. I see. When I was converting in the late '80s, I didn't know what to read, and my Catholic friends didn't know what I should read because they were badly catechized. Um, I eventually discovered Ignatius Press. Um, thank you, Father Fessio. And 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 now we have a revived tan books. We have Saint Benedict. We have my friend John Reese in Brooklyn uh, started Angelico Press. Um, you know, we have Sophia Institute Press. Uh, we have now Crisis Publications. We, we have uh, new imprints: uh, Clooney uh, Clooney Publishing. Uh, publishing old and classic uh, uh, Catholic books. Uh, We see Catholic radio exploding hundreds of stations and programs just like your own. So, you know, you look around and you see, you can see remarkable good news. And a big part of the book is a discussion about how we are living through this remarkable time. We live in a time of great saints and spiritual giants, for instance. Mm. So I I look around, I see the same things you do, but I see it with a little bit different eyes, uh, and mostly by the fact that he sent me to help him. (laughs) We're talking to Austin
0: Ruse about his book, Under Siege, No Finer Time to Be a Faithful Catholic, published by Sophia Institute Press. You mentioned something a minute ago that that I've been thinking about quite a while now, and that's about the people who do not espouse the teaching of the church tend to stay in the church rather than leave. Uh, and I've always found that interesting. I've always felt like, why? Well, it, you know, the German, so, at least a portion of the German bishops seem very hell-bent, so to speak, on, on espousing these non-Catholic ideals. Well, there's, that body already exists. It's called the Anglicans. Uh, why not just go and join their community rather, rather than stay? Why do you suppose uh, so many that don't believe in what the Church teaches uh, want to stay
3: here? Well, with regard to the German bishops, uh, you know they rake in billions of dollars in in taxes, and so you know they're, they're fat and happy. For the regular people in the in the chanceries and, and the rectories and things like that, I mean, you know, the, the, this is where I mean we used to say this is where, these are where the mimeograph machines are. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's they have the the equipment to 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 do their work. Um, you know i on the other hand i i, I think that uh, they truly believe that the teachings of the church can change and that that would be a good a good thing and a better thing i mean we see you know the the these changes that came about in, in the anglican church for instance and we see the implosion of the Anglican Church. Mm. Um, so, you know, wh- why do they stay? I-, I think they stay for a whole lot of reasons. But I salute those, like, you know, as I said, I-, I called it the honest apostasy of Melinda Selmas and Damon Linker, and and I say hats off to them for having the courage to uh, to walk away from something they really didn't believe in.
0: I know you've talked about this with in other podcasts and shows and whatnot, and it's about the uh, sort of the, the supposed... Opposition to evangelization versus po- political lobbying, um, mm-hmm. you know, within the church. I've uh, always been of the feeling that if we if we pursue the salvation of souls, the evangelization of peoples, laws don't matter as much. Uh, people won't abort their kids if we've convinced them to the dignity of human life. Or they'll, they'll, you know, they'll solidify their marriages if we convince them of the church's teaching the dignity of of matrimony, et cetera, et cetera. But I know you have an interesting opinion on that, and I'd like you to share that with us.
3: Well, you know, Andrew uh, Breitbart used to say that politics is downstream from culture, um, and I, actually, I don't think he believed that because he was very politically engaged. But, um, but, but uh, culture is actually also downstream from politics. And a big part of the book is where I talk about the rise of the new state church. Um, I believe we have an established church now. Um, It's certainly not ours. We are the heretics that the established church is going after. Um, In 19, From the beginning of the founding of the United States, there was a healthy debate between what people call the providentialists, that is to say, those who see the hand of God in history, and that this must be explained to our children, even in schools and then the seculars who believe that uh, the government cannot have anything to do with religion. Um, This was not a settled debate. Um, Sometimes the providentialists won, sometimes the seculars won, uh, almost like political parties down through the ages. In 1962, the Supreme Court decided the school prayer decision. The key part of that decision was where the Supreme Court put its thumb on the scale of that debate and said that the object and purpose of government must be secular, that is to say, without God. From that moment on was the beginning of an official state church. Followed sh- following shortly after that came the uh, Griswold and Eisenstadt decisions on contraception, all about sex. Uh, following that um, came uh, a decision, to the Stan Hill case, which opened the door to pornography. It was an obscenity case. Following that, of course, was uh, Roe v. Wade. Following that were uh, a couple of cases on uh, constitutionalizing sodomy. And following that was um, was uh, Obergefell and same-sex marriage. And all of those things cascaded through the federal government, through the Department of Justice, through the Department of Education, on down to the little grade school a mile from where I sit, where they teach children a new religious dogma mm. that sex is assigned at birth and that um, uh, boys can become girls. Um, so I, I, I say that we live under a new established church. And this is something, and, and this is truly what we're up against. I argue in the book that it's far darker than people actually know. How's that for pessimism?
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's wonderful.
3: That's uh, we have about two and a half minutes
2: left in the interview with uh, Austin Roos. And we. I was wondering, so we kind of got the view of where we're at now. Now, Religion is is down is upstream of culture and politics. So, what can we do as Catholics today? You said the book is titled uh, "Getting in the Fight." Where so how are we how are we going to get in the fight? And what are we doing?
3: Well, you know, in my own work at the United Nations, you know, I I call what I do at the United Nations an aspect of it is is what I call the true ecumenism. People of strong faith putting aside their theological and ecclesiological differences. And working on common projects so I work with Muslims I work with Mormons I I work with evangelicals and what happens over time is friendships are formed love grows um, you actually start debating your faith it's kind of fun Um, and quite honestly conversions happen people are attracted and this is all political but people are attracted to the magisterium that is to say this rock that won't change that won't change with the times or with fashion, and it's not something that somebody has to decide on their own by by going through the Bible. So, so this is political activity that leads to evangelization. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, uh, pe- people have to share the gospel with their family and friends. Your family and friends have to know that you're a Christian, that you're a believing Christian, and that it matters to you, and that you behave that way, and all of this you know, is attractive to people when they're considering where they are at in in terms of religion. Um, But I also say that people have, you know, people have to be involved in some way. I charge the sniper's nest, you know, and not everybody can. But people can write letters to the editor, they can write a check to you guys, they can write a check to me, you know, they can write a check to the local pro-life group. Everybody has to play some kind of role.
0: Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Austin Ruse, uh, president of CFAM, God love you and God bless you. Thank you for being on today and talking about your book, Under Siege, No Finer Time to Be a Faithful Catholic. God love you and have a great day. Thanks, guys. All right. Praise be to God. That is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. We're very grateful to you. We'll post that interview later today on our YouTube, Facebook, and elsewhere. But join us in the second hour, if possible. The game show is going to come up, and we're going to have prizes at stake. You could win. All you got to do is be a part of the program. grnonline.com forward slash cdt for the links. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back here with Bishop Athanasius Schneider Thank tomorrow. Thank you
7: for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed
1: and inspired. I have some friends who are Catholic who say that you don't have to believe everything that the Church teaches, whether it's in the Catechism or not. Is that true?
7: No, it's not true. If you want to call yourself Catholic, but you want to pick and choose for yourself which of the Church's teachings to accept and which to reject, you give everyone else who calls themselves Catholic the right to do the same thing. For example, you believe women should be priests. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1577, it states, Only a baptized man validly receives ordination. For this reason, the ordination of women is not possible. You don't believe that? Well, that's fine. I just made this a catechism of your Catholic Church, but not mine. But remember, if you can throw doctrines out, so can everyone else who calls themselves Catholic. That gives Joe parishioner over at St. Doubting Thomas Catholic Church the right to throw out the church's social justice teachings. He doesn't feel like feeding the hungry, caring for the poor, and all that other bleeding heart stuff. Paragraphs 2401 to 2463. I just made this a catechism of his Catholic church, but not mine. You believe contraception is okay. Paragraph 2370 says contraception is intrinsically evil. Joe parishioner doesn't like what the church teaches on the death penalty. Paragraphs 2364 to 65. You don't like what it teaches on these pages, pages 505 to 508. He doesn't like what it teaches on these other pages here, pages 610 to 615. Can you see what's happening? I heard it said once that there is a shortage of vocations to the priesthood in the United States, but no shortage of vocations to the papacy. If we don't believe in all of it, if we each appoint ourselves pope and throw out a doctrine here or a doctrine there, then our faith is no longer Catholic. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
0: It's good to be on with you today. We just wrapped up a great conversation with Austin Ruse. He is the president of CFAM. They um, they are trying to uh, lobby the United Nations, and they have been doing this for many years now, to protect you know the dignity of the human person from conception, the dignity of marriage, and so much more. Um, Really doing an incredible job considering all that they're up against. And he's got a brand new book out called Under Siege. So we, we had a great conversation about that. If you're just joining us, we'll post that conversation as a standalone video later today in YouTube and Facebook and all of that. You can find the links on our website, by the way, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But you can also get the podcast of the show. Did you know that you can get the podcast? I believe it's ubiquitously available everywhere. I think the only downside is sometimes we don't maintain the metadata very quickly, but we generally get to it once a week or so. Uh, But you can find us everywhere, but you can just go to our website. You can find the podcast as well. grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Good morning to you, Emily Alcaraz.
1: Good morning. Uh, I really like Austin. He has a good sense of humor.
0: Yeah, he did. He made us laugh a couple times. It was pretty fun. Praise be to God. Um, and speaking of laughing a lot, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian.
2: Good morning. Good morning. Yep. It's uh, all the jokes, all the jokes last hour, and then more jokes whenever we go to the after show today. So lots of inside, inside joke humor. So uh, yeah, fair, be, be fair
0: warned because in the after show, which is the second half of this hour, you, my dear listener, get to drive that conversation. So it's really whatever you want to talk about, but what tends to happen is we throw a lot of inside jokes around and the the super fans that are hanging out every day they all know the joke. So if you're new, don't be bashful. Say, "Hey, can you explain that to me?" We'd be happy to do it. We'd be happy to stop and 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 share the inside stuff with you. Uh also we we recognize all first time commenters. So if you've never commented before and you do so, well you get some special love in the after show but it's kind of a fun time the after show is a great time real casual and we we sometimes jump into serious conversation like yesterday uh we were totally blown away learning that emily had never watched star wars ever her entire life ever it was she was close to being removed from the premises (laughs) i mean it was that close it was crazy um but anyway I digress. We are going to do breaking news and stories, but it's all good news this hour. So praise be to God. All good news in the good news segment coming up here in a moment uh, with Emily. And then we're going to do Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. And then, of course, our Fear and Trembling Game Show is today. Uh, so three new chances, three new opportunities. There was like It was a delay yesterday on the phone lines, which was weird. But then all of a sudden, like six or seven calls came in all at once. So praise God for that. If you want your chance, you can find the phone number and the rules to the game, and you can call early if you like and sit on hold. Just go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Otherwise, I'll give you the phone number in a little bit, but new sponsor this week and new prize, new opportunities. So praise be to God. But let's pray. Whatever is on your heart, your mind, whatever your needs are, we're going to be including those intentions in today's uh, uh, prayer. And Plus, I'm praying for our team here I'm praying for uh, God's will for Emily and her future when she moves back home. Of course, I'm praying for God's perfect provision for her replacement on the Catholic Drive Time team and the needs of our radio apostolate as well. So let's ask Our Lady, Queen of Heaven, to intercede for all of us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come before thee, I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz.
1: Christian advocates praised President Joe Biden for officially recognizing the Armenian genocide over the weekend. On Saturday, April 24th, Armenian Remembrance Day, President Biden said, quote, each year on this day, we remember the lives of all those who died in the Ottoman era Armenian genocide and recommit ourselves to preventing such an atrocity from ever again occurring. Biden's historic statement marked the first official recognition of the genocide by a U.S. president and the first time since Reagan that a sitting president referred to the genocide by name. Turkey, which has long denied that a genocide took place, criticized the statement, but advocates for religious freedom are praising Joe Biden. In a show of support and encouragement for Catholics in Ireland still banned from attending mass and confession, Bishop Athanasius Schneider sent a rallying call to the faithful to pick up their rosaries and pray for the return of their God-given liberties. The Rosary Rally, a campaign for Catholics to pray the Rosary every Sunday until Mass returns, is being held outside parish churches on Sundays across the Republic of Ireland. The rally has been organized by the Catholic Lady of Ireland in response to the government's continued persecution of religious observance in the country, including the closure of churches to public worship and banning confession with a priest, even while outdoors. Bishop Schneider sent his blessing and encouragement to all who participated in the rosary campaign for a return to the Mass, noting the heroic example of the loyalty to the Catholic Mass passed on by faithful Irishmen. Bishop Schneider also added, quote, The example of love, reverence, and devotion of Catholics towards Holy Mass during persecution times is a powerful lesson which may shake up our souls and kindles them with a new fire of Eucharistic love and reverence. The Vatican announced on Monday that Pope Francis will hold an ordinary public consistory this week, the last step before several new canonizations, including Blessed Charles de Foucault, can take place. At the consistory, cardinals will vote to approve the canonizations of seven beatified men and women. This vote is the last step in the canonization process and allows a date to be set for a mass for the canonizations. The canonizations will be the first since the start of the worldwide COVID-19 pandemic. The last canonization mass took place on October 13, 2019, when the Anglican convert, theologian and philosopher St. John Henry Newman was canonized in the presence of tens of thousands of people in St. Peter's Square. Blessed Charles de Foucault was a French missionary, soldier, explorer, Catholic revert, priest, hermit, and a religious brother who served among the Tuareg people in the Sahara Desert in Algeria. He was assassinated by a band of men at his hermitage in the Sahara on December 1st, 1916. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens.
0: Blessed Hosanna of Kataro, pray for us. Blessed Hosanna was born on the 25th of November, 1493 in Montenegro as Catherine Kosi. Blessed Hosanna was born to a Greek Orthodox family and baptized in that tradition. She was a shepherdess in her youth, spending her solitary hours in prayer, and began to have visions of the Christ child. When she was 12 years old, the visions were followed by an odd desire to travel to a town of Kataro. That's where she felt she could pray better. Her mother then arranged for her to have a position with a Catholic family that it would allow her to pray as often as she wished in the local churches. It resulted in her becoming a a Catholic. In her late teens, she felt a call to live the hard spiritual life of an anchoress. Though she was very young for such a calling, her spiritual director had her walled up in a cell in St. Bartholomew's church. Later, she would move to St. Paul's church, and she became a Dominican tertiary, taking the name of Osana in memory of Blessed Osana of Mantua. She would follow the Dominican rule for the next 52 years. In fact, an entire community grew up around her, considering her their leader, and they founded a Dominican convent. In her tiny little cell, she received many visions, including uh, that of Christ as a baby, Our Lady, several saints, and even demons who opposed her prayer life. Satan once appeared to her in the guise of Our Lady as, as Mary, but she knew it was the devil when the vision tried to get her to give up the religious life. When the city was attacked by the Turks, the townspeople credited their deliverance to her prayers. And even tradition says that uh, she helped to save the city from the plague by interceding on their behalf. She would die on the 27th of April, 1565, and she was beatified in 1934 by Pope Pius XI. Blessed Hosanna of Cataro, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. The feast of the dedication was taking place in Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus walked about in the temple area on the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe the works I do in my father's name testifies to me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can take them out of the out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can take them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, powerful passage. I really enjoy this passage for a number of reasons. Just the uh, the, the directness of it, I think, is very uh, interesting to me. How Jesus, very cold, almost a very. Oh, not cold. The cold is not the word. They're cold. You know, even Augustine points out in, the, in, in Chrysostom and and the church fathers point out the coldness of the Jews, but really just like the savageness of Jesus' response to them. You know, you're not of my sheep. You're not my flock. What's the implication of that? You're not saved. Holy smokes, that's heavy. Wow. Uh, even Chrysostom would say he reproves their malice for pretending that a single word would con- convince them. When so many had not. That's pretty powerful. What did you find, Adrian? Yes.
2: Yeah, so a couple things. One, I want to just say a fun fact about uh, what Cornelius Alabade points out. He says that, you know, our Lord was not of the tribe of Levi. And so you notice he never goes into the Holy of Holies, even though he is always gazing upon the beatific vision, uh, because he is God and he's always in union with the Father and the Holy Ghost. Um, it's, he still does not, uh, enter into the Holy of Holies, because only the high priest was allowed to do so, and he was not of the tribe of Levi, and therefore can never be a high priest. So I thought that was interesting. And then the thing that I think uh, really matters today is going back to predestination. Uh, that's whatever what we're focusing here again on. And the idea here, uh, Cornelius Lapide says that Augustine here is actually incorrect in saying that he that the sheep here are the predestined. Because Cornelius Lapidus says that whenever the apostles preached later on, the same people who were in this crowd denying Christ would later accept him. And some who accepted him here would fall away uh, before their death. And so he said that that here, it is uh, he's referring to those who are hearing their voice now at this moment. And so he points out uh, that… Whenever our Lord says I give unto them eternal life that is to say I make the I make them the promise I give them all the necessary helps I wish for their salvation if then any of them perish it is not my fault but theirs for they will not cooperate cooperate meaning work with uh, my grace for neither the devil nor anyone else is able to pluck them out of my hand. Uh, this is a good point to also meditate on because how often do we actually think about what is meant by "they will not pluck them out of my hand"? That means that the devil is not going to wrestle with God and drag us down to hell unworthily. So we have earned heaven, and, God, and the devil is going to, stay, to steal us to hell. Uh, no, that that can't happen. Um, it is only in our cooperation with the mercy of God that we can enter heaven and it's only with the rejection of the mercy of God that we can uh, that we go to hell because the devil is weaker than our lord uh, infinitely weaker than our lord and at the judgment seat because he is omnipotent no power can fight his judgment and so whether or not we're damned whether or not we're saved, no one can contradict the will of God in that manner. Uh, so that's, I think, the thing to focus on for the idea of predestination.
0: I just knew you were going to work predestination back into the subject. I thought we dealt with that definitively last week. I don't understand. Not at all. Not at all. I guess it was predestined that you would bring it up again. Anyway, praise be to God. We have uh, three trivia questions here, and, and uh, it's going to be an exciting game show today. I'm very, very happy for the contestant because... I'm going to say most of these questions are fairly straightforward, fairly straightforward. But we'll see. You don't even need to know the answers. All you need to do is be the contestant at 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Right after this, Fear and trembling is coming up next. We'll be right back.
3: We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover
5: more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2.10-11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin, because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin, because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin.
0: Joe McClain! Praise, speed of Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and don't share this with anyone. Don't make this public. But there's a few things we like to do on the show. We have Catholic Trivia questions. So they're, they're legit questions, but we like to teach a little bit about the faith. So you always tend to learn something you did not know before. We like to have a laugh in the process, and we give out prizes, so it's kind of a win-win-win for everybody. But if you're just joining us and you're like, what in the world? Here's the kicker. We have a caller. They're the contestant, but they don't have to know the answers to these questions because we don't ask them. We ask Emily. We ask Adrian. One of them will be right. The other will be wrong, and the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Who do they trust more, Emily or Adrian? And every right answer goes into the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Tell them what they could
1: win, Emily. This week's prize sponsor is Salem Studio. Uh, you can find them at their website, shopsalemstudio.com. Mother's Day is coming up. This is the perfect place to go to buy your mother something. They've got baking supplies, apparel, accessories, candles, uh, things for children, houseware, ornaments, rosary cases, so many different options, all Catholic-designed and if you don't know what you want to get your mom, they also have g- gift certificates. So shopsalemstudio.com. You can also find them on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest.
0: All right. Praise be to God. Thank you for our, our game show sponsor. We're always very grateful to you. By the way, we post uh, the the links, the icons of all of the sponsors on our website. You can find them there at grnonline.com forward slash cdt several calls came in today praise be to god for that i see some uh, variety here from all around the country but let's go to line number one alex good morning to you thanks for calling in good morning praise be to god alex uh, where are you today so today i'm in uh, salisbury maryland Hey, now, Maryland's on the board. Praise be to God. Sure. Uh, now, Alex, if I, the last time I remember, well, the last time you, you called into the game show, you were like in Colorado, I think, right? So we we need to get you to like a Montana, it's North Dakota would be great. <laughs> Can we give you like a wish list of states uh, for you to travel to to call into the show? That would be wonderful for us. Oh, yeah, that, that'd that be great. <laughs> you don't mind traveling the country and calling in, do you? I mean, that's uh, something you wanted to do, I'm sure absolutely i I'd be happy to now uh are you ready to play so you're a veteran you played before in the past, you know how the game is played. you understand how tricky and Emily are um any uh any tips or tricks for other listeners possibly on how to decipher Emily and Adrian's behavior
4: well uh yeah i've I've been watching a few times this is actually my first time but, mm. but I've called him before for uh for other Things, but uh, and then I I feel like I kind of know Adrian since he is sort of a buddy of mine. But I guess I guess we'll see. I've, I've, uh, we'll see how I do
0: today. So you're saying he's always deceptive. Got it. Got it. Okay. Here we go. Let's yeah, just see. I, let's just see what accurate. is true and what is not today. <laughs> uh, we're going to start with Emily. Uh, are you ready to go? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yep. Are you sure, mm-hmm. Emily? Can you tell me who was the first apostle to be martyred?
1: Oh, okay. Um I'm pretty sure the first apostle to be martyred was Andrew. Andrew. Yes. Hmm,
0: interesting, interesting. Um let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me who was the first apostle to be
2: martyred? Yes. I can't tell you. All right, praise be to yep. God. Uh, glad yeah, we that, had that was this conversation. <laughs> that would be one of the Sons of Thunder. The Saints, Sons Saint, of Thunder. Saint James the Greater. He was uh, beheaded. Really? Ooh, that's exciting. Yep. it's uh, a lot of fun. We need that on a button. The Sons of Thunder. That'd be pretty cool.
0: All right, so Adrian is on the hook for Saint James the Greater, and Emily is on the hook for Saint Andrew. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Alex, what say you?
4: That's going to be Adrian.
0: Survey says.
5: E- easy peasy. Easy peasy.
0: Oh. You knew that one, right, Alex? That wasn't uh, that wasn't tricky, right? Oh yeah, that was that was pretty easy.
1: Okay, okay. Praise be to God. I didn't know that. Really? I mean, clearly, <laughs> but. <laughs>
0: yeah, poor St. James. Um, no, glory. Glory. Yeah, of course. Sure, sure. He's he an was optimist. An, Sorry. He was the sons the of thunder. <laughs> yeah, but who doesn't want to die peacefully in their sleep? You know what I'm saying? Um, all right, so let's go to question number two. Now, this one could be tricky. I don't know. Let's just see here. You have to be. Uh, got to be a lover of history or you just watch the History Channel because I'm pretty sure they've covered this a few times. Adrian, can you tell me who was alleged to have been a female pope from 855 to 858?
2: Huh. That's a good question. Um I'm going to go I don't I don't really watch the history channel ever. I'm going to go with Pope Joan. Pope Joan. Mhm. Hmm. Sounds good. Mhm. Okay. Okay.
0: Emily, can you tell me who was alleged who have been a female pope
1: from 855 to 858? Um, I'm gonna go with um Hildegard of Bingen. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes.
2: Okay. Okay. Are you okay, Joe?
0: Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> <Thanks>. Okay. <laughs> Adrian is on the hook for Pope Joan and uh Emily's on the hook for Hildegard of Bingen. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who can't stop laughing? Alex, what say you?
4: Well, I'm shooting from the hip here, but I'm going to go with Adrian. (laughs) Survey says... I need my duh button. (laughs) Where's my duh button?
2: I don't know. Joan could be... be, Someone might think, you know, Joan of Arc. I I feel bad for Hildegard of
0: Bingen.
1: Hildegard is always used as a feminist icon by feminist theologians, so... Uh.
0: Poor Hildegard. She's amazing. All right. Well, praise be to God. You are correct, sir. Pope Joan is the answer. Now the, 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 the myth goes that uh, you know, she pretended to be a man and that's how she got elected. And then the, the the gig, so to speak,
2: was up when she gave birth to a child during a procession. So Yeah, the uh, it's a Protestant invention. uh, Saying that she was uh, a female pope, rose to the ranks, became a priest. No one discovered it. Became a bishop. No one discovered it. Went to the conclave. No one discovered it. Was elected pope, and no one (laughs) discovered it Uh. until she gave birth. During a procession. Yeah. yeah. It's a little sketchy. little sketchy. little sketch.
0: Well, praise you you, you smell the, the rat. Praise be to God. All right. So now we're going to go back to catechism class on you, Alex. I hope you're ready for this one. We're going back to Emily. Emily, can you tell me, or rather, can you complete, complete the eighth beatitude for me? Blessed are they that suffer persecution for justice sake. And then what's the last part of that line?
1: Uh, the persecuted, for their theirs is the kingdom of heaven.
0: Mm, okay. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, hopefully you remember catechism here. Can you complete the eighth beatitude for me? Maybe. Blessed are they that suffer persecution for justice sake, for they shall inherit the earth. Ooh. Adrian is on the hook for inherit the earth. Emily is on the hook for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? who's wrong alex what say you that's gonna be emily survey says wow. wow easy peasy okay to be honest alex did you know that or did you just good guess uh i knew that one really wow you have all you have the be attitudes yep. memorized uh, a few of them, but, but that one was a pretty easy one, to be honest. Pretty easy one. Whoa. One. What I heard was harder questions for tomorrow's guest. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Congratulations, Alex. I guess I was wrong. You had never played before. You called in last night for Michael Lofton. So uh, three times, your yes. perfect score, you're in the coffee cup of Divine Providence. How do you feel? feel great. Great. Glad to finally call in. Praise be to God. Well, we're glad you did, too. I'm going to put you on hold. Uh, I know... Adrian probably has your number, but we're going to make sure, just in case it's God's divine providence, that you should be the winner on Friday and your name comes out of the cup. You'll have to tune in for that. But uh, any travel plans in the near future? Where, where are you going next?
4: Yeah, there's there's always travel plans uh, in the future. So uh, let's see. Next, yeah, I think Boston, uh, Pennsylvania
0: pennsylvania praise be to god we have stations on the station the cross up and pa who tune in in the first hour so hopefully you'll participate then as well well god love you alex have a great day god bless you and uh thanks for calling in one more time thank you god bless. all right praise be to god i cut him off too soon my bad that is gonna do it for catholic drive time's radio side of our show we're very grateful that you are part of it uh, coming up tomorrow is our interview with Bishop Athanasius Schneider. He is the auxiliary from Kazakhstan, and we're going to be talking about relativism in the church, you know, the the real symptoms, the real problems that we are suffering and as a result to relativism and what we as lay folk ought to do about that and what we can do about that Bishop Athanasius Schneider will be our guest to discuss that on tomorrow's program. It's going to be a full lineup. We're very excited. If you're going to go or at least hear mass today, please do us a favor and keep us in your prayers. We'd be very grateful to you. We are of course praying for God's perfect provision for our team and and uh, seeking and discerning the replacement for Emily here in a couple of weeks. And we would be grateful for you to continue to intercede for us on that. But otherwise, we're going to go into the after show on our live video stream on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, and you get to drive that conversation. Whatever you want to talk about, that's what we talk about. In addition to throwing around all those inside jokes as well. It's a lot of fun, actually. So you can join us on one of those live streams. And if you need the links, they're all posted up at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Just scroll down. Underneath the podcast section, you'll see all those big icons there. Just click on one of those, YouTube, Facebook. Look look there, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God bless you. God love you. We hope and pray that you'll have a great day today. We're praying for you, and we're grateful that you are praying for us, too. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, for Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Until then.
1: Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet.
5: Bye now, and God love you.
0: Praise be the Jesus Christ. Welcome back to uh, Catholic Drive Time in the after show where we get a little more casual about the conversation. Whatever you want to talk about, you get to drive that conversation. Just make sure you leave a comment. And if you've never commented before, if this is a first time you are commenting, please do tell us. Make sure we understand and recognize you because we like to lavish some love on our first-time commenters. It's always a lot of fun to interact with you. Now, just a fair warning. Uh, there's a, a fair bit, a fair bit of uh, inside jokes that get tossed around. Because the super fans who've been here a long time, you know, they all know the jokes. And uh, so if you're new, don't be uh, don't be bashful. Let us know you're new and say, hey, you need to explain yourself. That's fine. We'd be happy to do so.
1: But at any rate, praise be to God. It was a fun show today, Emily. It was. Two really, really great Catholic um personalities eric sammons and austin ruse i'm so grateful to have them both on our side yeah amen to
0: that praise be to god valentine good morning to you eric eric rodriguez good morning to you monica cortez good morning to you praise be to god elizabeth is uh, uh, elizabeth commented before right
1: Uh madigan I don't Betty? recognize that name. Betty
0: is Betty a first time commenter? Uh, no. I thought she had commented before. Yeah, she has oh, on okay. the Facebook side.
1: I must have missed it. Angelo,
0: okay. good morning, Christopher Velasquez. Jennifer, good morning to you. Raymond Long, is that new? Raymond Long, and I see, uh, Albi? Is that how do you say that? Albi and Angeles. Um, that's Albi, I think that's short for
2: Albert. Albert. Okay, Albert. I, Albert's got to be a first time commenter. I think so. What about Raymond Long? I I think that's also a first-time commenter. I think we had three first-time commenters, if I remember. Hey, now. I think I noticed three people. That's awesome. Praise be to God. Good morning to all of you. Thank you for being on. That was on the YouTube side, by the way. Yes. Yes. And so because of that, I'll play all three. Whoa,
7: whoa, whoa. Okay,
2: that, that, that. (laughs) Let's never, let's never do that again.
0: Wow. That wasn't love. That was like... What is the opposite of, of like pure vitriol
2: is what that was? The opposite of love? Is that would fear. be apathy. apathy. Oh, oh. Uh, yeah. I've heard both. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's give them a proper... All right,
0: you know, all right. Give them the proper... Thank you. See, praise be to God. Thank you for commenting for the first time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise be to God. Um, let's see, on on the... Facebook side. Christopher Chance, of course. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. Bruce Tolman. Good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Of course, Patty was here. Your dad was on. Huh? Yep. That was
2: my father. Armando. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. He said, this is the best morning show. No bias. <laughs> no, <pretty laughs> pure. Mm-hmm. Purely no bias. No bias at all. None <laughs> Sounds whatsoever. believable. Sounds
0: totally. Hashtag, I get it. I believe it. Uh, Valerie, good morning to you. Uh, thanks for being on with us again today. Of course, Patty was on with us. She always goes to mass at this time. But
2: Did you already read my favorite commenters? Not comment? yet. We're getting, not I just want to make sure
0: I recognize everybody here. I'm trying to scroll backwards through time to make sure we get everybody on the Facebook side. So that was the... Facebook of GRN now there's the Facebook of Catholic Drive Time, and now we have a bunch of comments here. Let's see, Gloria, good morning to you, Josh Null, good morning to you, congratulations, Josh, you have achieved top fan status according to Facebook on Catholic Drive Time side. Well done, sir. Well done, Joaquin. Good morning, Luz. Good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out today. Uh, of course, our buddy Jesus and Lori Powell. Good morning. Good morning. Praise be to God. Thank you for hanging out with us, Mary Barone. It's good to see you. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Apparently, Mary uh, shares your uh, what shall we call that? Hmm. Um,
2: your affliction, Emily. Um, oh yeah, she says she's never seen Star Wars. Yeah.
0: Oh, like what would be I the see. most charitable
2: thing we could describe that as? Like. Disease,
0: disease, affliction, pandemic, pandemic. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's
1: incurable.
0: It's, well,
2: it's
1: incurable. no, it's curable. No, I, I it's know, curable. I know the, I know the cure. No, nope. <laughs> I don't plan we, on ever watching we Star.
0: Wars. We have a vaccine cure for it. Then <laughs> we have a vaccine. An inoculation <laughs> definitely could happen, but it happens with episodes four, four five, five, and six. six. Thank you. Yep. I, I get math is not. <laughs> my we stay,
2: we stay away from one, two, three, <laughs> and seven, eight, and nine. Yeah,
0: Don. Good morning, Don. It's good to see you here. Uh, let's see. Was there anybody else?
2: Uh, yeah, Mary it's pro- time. Yeah, it's time. It's time. It's time. time for the theme song. Jesus
5: is oh. the Jesus is my oh. That's,
2: that's Jesus the theme song the cueing. Uh, Jesus <laughs> Robles' <laughs> comments. Roblez's he, um, the he, said, he had a great comment today. He had a few great comments, but this this one took the cake for the day. He said, uh, "Quote the reason for my life. The mystery has been revealed. Catholic game show. Coffee cup of divine providence. I'm hyperventilating. Help." Please. <laughs>
7: they get better it's so and good. Good. <laughs> better. It's so good.
2: And uh and he said, uh, oh, and he got the, the, the first question wrong. He guessed Saint Stephen, which <gasps> is a really good Whoa. guess. Not an apostle, really, though. really good guess. Not an but he's not an apostle. He was the first martyr, yeah. but we asked who was the first apostle martyred. So that's yeah. that's a really good question. good guess.
0: Yeah. Tricky. You know, oh, I laughed at Hildegard because um when you said that, I like at first when I, a moment there was a momentary lapse of of uh, cognitive capability. So you said Hildegard and I thought, "Oh no. Both of them have answered wrong. How am I going <laughs> to spin this to a proper answer?" And then I then I, I, I was laughing because Hildegard is so saintly. I'm like, "Why did she choose Hildegard? Like what what what's going on here?" And then I remembered, "Oh wait. Adrian said Joan. All right, we're good. Praise <laughs> be to God." So that was the inside. It was the conversation going on inside my skull during that laughing process. So anyway, we, I think we have another first-time commenter. John Boy, senior, praise be to God from Kentucky. We've never had a first-time commenter
2: from Kentucky, before. it's true. that means if God
3: don't do it Amen, brother it won't get
7: done, mm. If God don't do it it won't get
2: done Wow. That's like the double treatment
7: right.' got there. a variety.
2: Mm-hmm. Big time.
0: Big time. Very beautiful.
2: Yeah. Very, be very beautiful.
0: Christopher Velasquez over on YouTube uh, wants to know. He says, guys, I'm a big coffee drinker. How can I get one of those CDT coffee mugs? That's a great question, Christopher. Uh, go get your checkbook and let me tell you how this works.
2: Okay. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I actually don't drink coffee. So Emily doesn't watch Star speaking Wars and I don't drink
0: coffee. Yeah. Speaking of afflictions. Um, Christopher, are you on the email list? Join our email list. I I, I know I I promised before I would tell everybody how to do this, and then uh, I didn't. So I failed you. Uh, But I will make up for that. I promise you. In fact, we're going to be shipping out some mugs here either today. I guess today I might ship out a few mugs. But make sure you're on our email list. We have a limited supply of the first-gen CDT coffee mugs. And to be honest with you, it's like the last chance to get Emily's signature on them. Because, you know, May 14th is coming fast, and then, uh, then w- that uh, limited collector piece will be, will be gone. So you're going to want to get yours soon. So be on the email list. You can sign up to our email list at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Maybe, we'll uh, maybe we'll do a drawing, and Emily can pull the winners,
2: and we'll mail them mugs. Something like that.
1: Yeah, with, like, daily commenters.
2: Yeah, uh, something. Super like fans. Super fans. Yeah. So we have a request from jeff's daughter sienna she wanted uh, us to play duh. the dub button said, where's your dub button and i love Maybe. the game show sienna <laughs> H-
1: have we already <laughs> revealed we where the dub button is from because oh we can, no we
2: haven't Do you want to tell them? that
1: could be a name in the mug okay. if you can guess it
2: oh okay if you can guess uh where this sounder comes from
1: duh.
2: i'll play it one more time Duh. Where? Where? Who's saying "duh"? Here, uh,
1: Sienna. You might be a little young to know the answer to this, but yeah, Jeff sure. probably
2: knows. Let's see if we can get anybody guessing that one. Uh, Estella Watts would like one. I know where you might be
0: able to get one. Grandma. Estella Watts is yeah. my yeah, is my <laughs> grandma. <laughs> you might know a person. I'm
2: just saying. I'm sure he could drive one over to you. Yes, I can. I pass her house every day. Yeah. going home. Praise be to God. Uh, I was actually the retreat I was helping out at was at my grandmother's behest. She. Really? Uh, uh, asked me to come out. She works at the church that I was helping out at St. Augustine. How wonderful. Uh, so that's why I went out there. So praise <laughs> be to God. Susan says, Simpsons. Uh, you know, sorry, oh. Susan. Sorry, Susan. Oh, Andy Amber Carey. I, that's a new commenter, I think. What? Said, full house. So that, wow, that was the correct you got answer. it. Yep.
1: What's the name? I'll put you in.
2: Congratulations, and if you Andy want to email Amber.
1: us your phone number in case we we pull you out. Now, that, are they also
2: a first-time commenter? I think so. I'm pretty sure. I'm gonna give it to them anyways, just in case they're yeah. not. Just in case. Oh, so, Valentine,
1: you just missed it.
2: Yeah, Valentine is second commenter. He said Full House right after, so barely missed it. Barely missed it.
0: Good morning, Susan. By the way, good morning, Andy, and good morning, Valentine again. Praise be to God. Uh, what else? Um, Susan, wanted-
1: you're right. That is a quote also from The Simpsons, but this one specifically is Full House.
2: It was the daughter's. What's her daughter's name? I forget. One of the, the, the little people. I can't yeah. believe you guys even know about Full House.
1: They made We're, a remake.
2: Oh, <laughs> did they? Oh, yeah, they did. Just so, kidding. I, g-
1: I grew up watching that and Fresh Prince. Yeah, <laughs> and
2: Fresh Prince. We keep trying to tell you, Joe, me and Emily See, are at that generation isn't that funny? where we like get both sides of it. It's hilarious. And uh, all the uh, other
0: um, people of vintage that are listening right now will, will, will relate to this. Your Fresh Prince, your full house. For us, it was the Brady Bunch. It was Gilligan's Island. I watched that, too. It was Duke's. I mean, well, I, I grew up in Dukes of Hazzard as well. But uh, the reruns of, uh, of Eight is Enough, Partridge Family, um, you know, uh, Good Times, uh, Laverne and Shirley. I mean, all of that stuff. I mean, uh, I grew up on all that stuff. Those reruns were, were crazy. Of course, Star Trek. Huge. I never watched Star Trek. Huge. Star Trek. We actually do a whole show on sci-fi. Mm. Um, Star Trek is an, uh, an atheist utopia vision of the future, and
2: uh, y- I didn't know that until much later in life. It's, cr- it's crazy. Andy Amber Carey said, "Not a first-time commenter." Oh,
1: that's okay. Bummer. Well, uh, you still got the answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, still, yeah you, still, you still got the answer right. So.
2: <laughs> Valentine said, "Michelle." Uh, that's the daughter's name.
1: Okay. Oh yeah, thank yeah. you. No.
2: So thank you. That helps. I want to
0: thank uh, Patty and Glenn and, and Chris Velasquez and the others who shared our videos today on uh, social media. Thank you for doing that. Yes, thank really you. It really means a lot to us. Praise be to God. Uh,
1: Susan says, don't watch TV. Good point.
0: Yes. Agreed. Yeah, I don't do it either. We got rid of uh, the television many years ago in our house, but as a kid, oof, nonstop, I watched a lot of Lori says, happy too. days. Happy days. The Fonz. I love that guy.
1: Um, Did y'all watch The Waltons? Nope. Of
0: course. Nope. Yeah. Little House in the Prairie, The Waltons.
2: Good night, John boy. My right. sister just finished watching the Rocky and uh, entirety of the you of, uh, of uh, Little House in the Prairie. Yeah, we
0: have the DVD series. The later uh, the the la- later se- seasons and the later episodes
2: not as good. You it's, okay? So it's super fascinating. I actually uh, so I was watching it with my sister, <laughs> and the later seasons. Uh, you're right. It it gets uh, you, but it's it's very fascinating to watch from beginning to end of it because you see the evolution of feminism. Yes, and yeah. So you can same see. with
1: the Waltons. Yeah. I, yeah,
2: I didn't see the Waltons, so I can't speak on that one. But yeah. it's very interesting because we just finished watching the entirety of it, and we watched it all, and like. Like a couple months (laughs) and a few months (laughs) and it's so interesting because you see the very beginning they're building up their house with logs and they're uh it's very uh the feminine roles the masculine roles are very defined uh, and all these things and by the end of it you see them fighting for women's rights you see them fighting uh to have a women's say in things and they're like women are like standing up against their husbands and you're like whoa This is is crazy. This is crazy. And so I think properly watched, it actually is really a great way to see how the culture changed so rapidly uh, from a couple years uh, into the the beginning of creating that movie to the end at the TV show. It's crazy. It's It's very Mm -hmm. fascinating. Alex, Alex,
0: you just blew Alex's mind completely. Alex, our contestant today, he said, wait, Emily grew up watching Full House but didn't see Star Wars? Uh, What? <laughs> true, true story, fact. True story. I know it's bizarre. It's pretty weird. I agree. The monsters. Yeah. Oh, I love the monsters. Yeah, yeah. Adam's family.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Did yep. that.
2: How about? Uh, um, uh, Have you seen the musical of the Adams Family? No. No. Of oh, it's not. so good. Um, so good. Oh, uh, Mayberry. Um, of course not. What
0: is a? Uh, this does. It's not called Mayberry. All of a sudden, my brain stopped working.
2: Uh, speaking of not, brain not working, Susan said we need a ribbit button for frog brain. Yes. <laughs> good idea. Amen. Yes. Preach it, sister. That'd be good. That'd um, be funny. What was the uh, the show?
0: Mayberry. Why do I can't remember? Describe the, it. The show. Lost in Space? No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I watched that too. <laughs> um, Describe it. Hold on. Hold on. I'll get there. I'll get there. What's wrong with my, my brain? Is it called Mayberry? No,
2: it's Andy not. Griffin show. Yeah, the Andy Griffin show. Thank oh, you. Oh, I love the Andy
0: Griffin Thank show.
1: Thank you. Why could I not?
2: Uh, thanks, like, Chris. Recall. Chris, how?
1: How did not. you get that? No, Adrian? I didn't.
2: Because Chris, oh. Chris guessed Andy Griffin show. <laughs> Thank you, And then Bruce said Andy Griffin show. Oh, okay. and then Lori said Andy Griffin show. Yeah. I was <laughs> Thank like, Adrian, you, Adrian. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Thank you for, for but, saving that. Uh, my... Right now, my family's watching Great. the Hill, the uh, the Beverly Hillbillies. So that's what we're watching. Oh, I watch that too. Yeah, Beverly Hillbillies,
0: big time. Uh, what about uh, the monkeys? Who watched the, the monkeys? monkeys? Yes. I know the song. I know the theme song. Monkey. Hey hey, we're the monkeys. Nope. People say we're something around. I don't remember the words, but whatever. Uh, Monkees. I grew up on the monkeys.
2: What was the What was the name of that other show? Gunsmoke, uh, preach it. How about Bonanza?
1: Yeah, Bonanza, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: the Rifleman. The Rifleman, let's go. Such a great show. If you've never seen The Rifleman, <laughs> I highly recommend it. It's very good. Top-notch yeah. masculinity right there. Um, great father. It's excellent the movie. The Banana yeah, Split, split show. show. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> who
0: who banana said split. Banana Although, split? I used to watch uh, Bozo the Clown. Is that the same thing? I'm not even sure. That sounds terrifying. Bozo the Clown, yeah, Bozo the Clown is in I Chicago. I would sort of want
2: to do that.
1: Chicago. Yes, I, I know that. I know. I recognize the name, but I, I've never seen it, nor do I want to. Yeah, why would
2: I want to watch something about
1: clowns? <laughs> the clown show?
2: Come on,
0: you guys watch too many horror movies. Good grief! I don't <laughs> watch horror movies. Uh, not all clowns are bad. Okay. Not all
1: clowns. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag not all clowns. <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, There's so many Andy Griffin comments now. My grandma said Andy Griffin, Susan said Andy Griffin. Everybody's okay. like, uh, "Joe, it's obvious." I know. Well, pff, I have fog brain. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you Ribbit. It happens. For a bit. Yep. Exactly.
0: Let's see. Two B T V is a free app. I've watched uh we watched one thing on two TV. I can't stand all the apps, the, the the ads though. They're just it's like going back to regular television. I I, I can't do it. So, I have I don't even remember the movie we watched. It was one movie we watched on there, and I don't even recall what it was. Um, I'm going to say. My favorite, uh, Martian? The Martian? Like, the movie? Martian the movie? I watched that. I, I'm a sci-fi guy. I like, I like those kinds of things. Praise be to God. Bonanza, the first shows in color. I watched a Bonanza the other day. Little Joe was taking a, taking a week off and got himself in trouble uh, over a girl in a bar. There you go. Good old-fashioned television. Emergency. What's an emergency?
2: I don't even know. Uh, Chris said, the Joker killer clowns from outer space. John Wayne Gacy. 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 John Wayne Gacy. But as Joe said, not all clowns are bad. Not all clowns are bad. Uh,
1: He just named a bunch of serial killer clowns.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Other than all the major uh, known clowns, (laughs) not all are bad. Besides that. Other than it... Uh,
0: oh, hey, man, I we're that. the
2: monkeys. People say we monkey, or are... thank you. That's the words to the song.
0: So I interesting. Remember
1: that. I wonder why psychologically people are afraid of clowns.
2: Yeah. What um, is it? I used to know the answer to that because I I watched this whole documentary <laughs> on it once, <laughs> and uh, I just cause I was so fascinated fascinated by it. I don't know why I just couldn't get the word fascinated out of my mouth. Yeah. Um, but ribbit. It, yeah, ribbit. Uh, but that's yeah. It's very fascinating how why humans have this tendency. I wonder if it's really because of the horror movie genre yeah. because before the horror movie genre, it seemed like clowns were really popular. Exactly. Hello, so, Bozo. I'm just saying. Uh, okay, uh Night say Rider. That. So
0: now we're getting into 80s shows like uh, uh Why are we talking about Airwolf? I love Airwolf. Who who did not love the, f- you know, they blew the Airwolf season because I think what's his name got injured in an accident and then he couldn't recover. The main actor who played the pilot, the main pilot in Airwolf, but of course, Knight Rider. I mean, all those shows, the iconic vehicles, the cars. Like you got A Team with the van, and Knight Rider with the car, and all those iconic um, vehicles. Dukes right. of
2: Hazard and their.
0: My their favorite
2: TV shows growing up were all superhero shows. It was. Super yeah, Man, like the Justice animated, League, yeah, yeah, Justice League. I remember that. Yeah. I loved Justice League, Superman the Animated Series, Batman the Animated Series. <clears throat> so great. I loved it so much and it it really teaches uh like good proper like heroes. Mm-hmm. And now you look at the same heroes uh in modern culture and it's horrible. Horrible. They've completely turned all these characters on their heads and made them very immoral, but back then they were very moral. Um they had codes. And so it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, your mom, Emily, said, Emily did watch Bozo. She just doesn't remember.
1: Oh. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, there Mom. Go.
2: <laughs> Got called uh, out.
0: What about Dragnet? Anybody uh, watch Dragnet? I used to watch <gasps> Dragnet. Yes,
2: Chris. He said, I have a fondness for the Legion of Superheroes cartoon. Yes. that only, They only had like two seasons of that, and they canceled it. That was so good. At least I remember it being good. I don't know if it was actually any good. MacGyver. Uh, yeah, Bruce. Preach it, brother. What about Quantum Leap?
0: Who watched Quantum Leap?
1: I've never heard yeah, of that me before. Neither, exactly. You've not no, heard of
0: Quantum me. Leap? I have no. no clue what that is. First it's Star Wars, now it's Quantum Leap. I, I, Are you
2: being serious? Well, I don't know what Quantum Leap is. You're kidding me. Oh You're old, heavens. dude. Oh my heavens. How do I end up with these people? <laughs> they, <laughs> they don't even know what Quantum Leap is. Lori says Batman with Adam West. Yeah, yes. the Batman with Adam West. Yeah, that was, was fun. It was very campy. Yeah. Um, of course it was. That's the point. Very, very Different style than the the Batman the that animated was, series that was
0: that was uh you know the, uh, the, the quintessential sixties campiness you know Dave says what about Mash Ma- oh yeah I, I you know well Mash Heart to Heart those types of shows I wasn't really like Dallas I was you know I was supposed to go to bed but I'd stay up and watch those um but MASH, I was a big fan of Mash of course I, I remember Mash. The Lone Ranger. George Lopez. Yeah, I used to watch reruns of The the (laughs) Lone Ranger, of course. Uh, Mary says, my son was afraid of clowns as a child now that he is 35 years old. When we mention it, he gets furious. It's so funny. Oh, that's embarrassing. (laughs) Mary, you're embarrassing your your adult son. The
2: Green Hornet. Mary, yes, The Green Hornet. That was so good. Oh, The Green Hornet with Bruce Lee, the movie. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. So good. So good. The new one they came out with, uh, uh, it's not very good. It's Christopher very good. says he watched Quantum Leap. Praise be to God. <laughs> Quantum Leap is a very interesting show. I was upset that they didn't uh, finish it. Uh, Susan said, first Superman guy in leotard. You know, it's interesting. Superman, when he was designed, they actually designed his costume to look like uh, the strong in circuses. And that's why he has his underwear oh. on the outside. Uh, so they kind of gave him that feel. He was also created. So if you look at the original design, he didn't have a cape. And so he looked like a strong man. And, uh, he was designed by, by Jews, uh, that were, that came to America. And so they were imbibing this, um, Judeo-Christian values into the character. But also because they were new to America, it was this, uh, this epitome of, uh the American dream. Uh, that's why he was always I fight for truth, justice in the American way. Wow. Um, that, that whole idea of it was wrapped up in Superman and being a foreigner in a strange land but making it their home. And that's why you see Superman uh coming from another planet, landing in America, Kansas, and being there. Your, your stereotypical uh American uh had living the American dream. So it's pretty awesome. I love I love the old comic books. They're just they're so American and so Christian, even though most of them were written by Jews. Not anymore, they're not. No, they're horrible now. Horrible. Yeah.
0: Uh, Eric brings up Benji, but Benji was a movie. I don't think it was a TV show. It was a series of movies, was it not? I could be wrong, but I don't think the so. dog movies. Yeah, Benji, in particular, I don't yeah. think it was a television show. Uh, my favorite, according to John here, my favorite villain in TV Batman was the Riddler. Mm-hmm. Love trying to figure out the riddles.
2: Yeah, the Riddler is amazing. I was they made him really
0: good at riddles. They ever. made him
2: super wacky in the new the new comics. They he's kind of like insane now, whereas before he was just super clever, and in watching the battle of wits between Batman and the Riddler is always a lot of fun. Uh, Chris says, my favorite episode of the Justice League cartoon was when they went into the alternate dimension where the League became fascist overlords. The best scene in the episode is Batman arguing with... all. Oh, I know exactly what he's talking about. They Okay, mm. so really cool. So, okay, this is what I love about comic books. I actually did a paper in the uh, University of St. Thomas on the... um the philosophy of pre-punishment of whether or not you could punish people uh, before they commit crimes if oh. you could if you could predict that they were going if they, with like almost 100% certainty that you they could uh, they were going to commit crimes and i based tom cruise film what are you talking about It they existed in the comics way before the tom cruise nothing film before. existed before tom cruise come and, on uh, and what chris here is talking about is this whole idea of free will uh, Batman is arguing with himself in an alternate universe about, uh, taking over the world and how they, they are able to bring peace to the world by taking it over and li- ruling over it in like a dictatorship, but because they are dictators over it, there's peace. No one's dying. Uh, they save the world basically, but they're not free. And so it's, it's a battle of the, the philosophies at that point because they're equally matched physically. Uh, so it's very interesting. Uh, and and that's one of the great things you get in these classic uh, cartoons and movies. And oh, there's another great one, uh, Superman and the Red Sun. was like, what if Superman landed in communist Russia instead of Kansas America? Oh. And, it really, um, and it really gets that whole idea of communism. And it really shows the errors of communism. Uh, so it's, it's really spectacular. Yeah, those days are over, huh?
1: Make comics great again.
0: Make comics great again.
1: Uh, let's see. Lassie some, was a good show.
0: Here's some other classics. Who watched tw- uh, 21 Jump Street? Hmm. Uh, not like the TV the show. I one. watched the movie. <laughs> the TV show. The original. Yeah. I watched the movie. I never Johnny seen the show. Johnny Depp back in the day. Who watched that? Of course, we mentioned MacGyver. Uh, here's one. Boy, I hadn't remember this. Street Hawk, 1985. Of course, Airwolf, I mentioned that. Of Yes, yes. Spencer for Hire. Yes! Who remembers Spencer for Hire? Nope. Oh, no yeah. Idea. Well, like The Equalizer. Remember The Equalizer? I do know The uh, Equalizer. I've seen the, movie? Like the, original see the movie, not the, the or- TV show. No, the original television show. Good grief. Uh, in the Heat of the Night. Yes, who watched In the Heat of the Night? How about the movie that, pre- that predated the television show, Mm-mm. The Heat of the Night? Nope. Yeah. yeah, that was a good one. Um, There's a mo- the actor who played uh, what's his name? Um, oh, I gotta look it up now. Heat of the Night movie. Um, yeah,
2: what the is, uh, cool. Susan says always figure Lois was too dumb uh, was dumb to be fooled by a <laughs> pair of glasses. Yeah, uh, they actually explain that in the comics. They say like, yeah, he the reason why no one guesses that it's him is because when he's Clark, he. Acts like a doofus, and he uh, is clumsy. He has he hunches his back and things like that. So even though it seems obvious to the to everybody else, like just the idea, the dichotomy between the two people, it's so vast that people just don't put two and two together.
0: There was uh, so Sidney Poitier played uh, the main character in the Heat of the Night movie that that was goes back to I don't know a long time ago. Sidney Poitier. It, it was in it was in black and white when the original Heat of the Night came out, but he also played in a movie where he was like this mysterious character who shows up uh, to a group of sisters, a nuns, trying to build their chapel, and he and he builds this chapel for them, and he's this mysterious character. Uh, it was pretty fascinating. Is it and,
1: based on the miracle?
0: I don't think it was based on the true story. I think it's just a, a a film that they Carol wrote. Carol O'Connor? No, no, no. Sidney Poitier uh, played... Um, so Carol O'Connor... He played the cop in The Heat of the Night, in the movie and in the television show. But uh, Sidney Poitier played the black man in, in – the black cop in the uh, movie before the television show came out. But I was pointing out that Sidney Poitier also played in a movie. I'm trying to remember the name of this movie. And if anybody can remind me about it or the name of it. I'm looking through his filmography right now. Lilies
2: of the Field? Hmm, Is that it? Uh, what do you see that? I'm looking for I'm looking for it. I'm just reading what people are saying. Is that it? Is it Lilies of the Field? They Call Me Mr. Tibbs? Mm. Ah, it's a, actually a good film
0: um, about these sisters, and there's a priest who shows up in a car to say mass in the back of the car. I How mean, about Wild Wild West? No. Okay. I'm just no. reading the comments. I know. What people are saying. Because yeah. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. He was about. young. He was young when he made this film. And it, like I said, it was black and white. It was, in the, it was in the early days of his career, and I can't remember the name of it. But it's a good film, and I want to go watch it again now. But Heat of the Night. Yeah, I grew up on that, too. Chris says, it's li- Lilies of the Field, Joe. Thanks. Praise be to God. Um, Lilies of the Field. Where are you, man? I'm li- oh, right here. I got it. Boom. I see the link. Yes, that is it. You are 100% right. Lilies of the Field. Uh, when you- this came out in 1963, Sidney Poitier. Who else has seen Lilies of the Field? 1963. That Anybody? was a the cusp of Vatican II. Why'd you got to bring that up? You know, music starting
2: and now you got to bring that up. <laughs> I thought we were going to go out on a bang. Should, we should compare movies pre and post-Vatican II.
0: Peggy, Ooh. true. Are, are you a brand new commenter, Peggy? With seconds on the clock, you're starting to comment?
5: Oh! oh. oh. <laughs> oh. Jesus a friend
0: praise be to god that is gonna do it for today's catholic drive time thank you for hanging out and having the uh silly fun casual conversations that we do in the after show uh we're very grateful to you praise be to god tomorrow bishop athanasius schneider will be our guest very exciting conversation about relativism in the church and a lot more on the deck for tomorrow hopefully you'll be a part of it but uh, at any rate 6 a.m central 7 eastern catholic drive time keeping you informed and inspired. I think Hitchborn's on tomorrow too from Lepanto Institute. So full lineup on tomorrow's show. Please tell a friend, share us. We're very grateful to you. God bless you. We'll see you then. Take care.